Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. Yo, it's your boy, the odd guy himself, Malik King Scott. Hi, I'm Charlie Edwards. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 170 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined, as always, by the infamous Mr. Ayaz Sumra. Ayaz, how you doing? I'm good, Joey. Yourself? Very good, my friend. Very good. It's great to have you back on the show. Of course, you wasn't here last week. I had to do it on my own. It's been a while since I've had to do that. But me, myself, I'm known now as Mr. Consistency. Um, I haven't missed a show since November 2016. We've been banging them out, um, or I've been banging them out at least every week since then. Um, and of course, before that, we're going to start with the review part of the show. I'm going to try to go through this show as quick as possible. I am battling a little bit of a cold, and it's been a busy couple of days. We saw on Monday the press conference between Craig Richards and Jake Ball, the reschedule of their fight and the whole card itself. And then on the Tuesday, Amir Khan and Terence Crawford. So it's been busy this week in boxing. Um, let's start, like I say, with the review part of the show. We're going to start at the Stageworks Arena in Louisiana, USA. This one was a Devin Haney Promotions card. Um, of course, he topped the bill himself. 20-0 going in there against Zolisani Undongani. 25-0, the South African fighter it was for the vacant wbc international lightweight title now devin haney i mean he did what he had to do he um he he started to hurt the guy um towards the end of the fight i think he dropped him also early on i think it was maybe the second or third round um you know it was in it was an impressive performance from devin haney um you know, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with him. I mean, he's passing all these tests. He's still such a young kid. And realistically, he could give real problems to the champions. You know, I mean, someone like... I know this fight's never going to happen, but imagine him in there with someone like Anthony Crawler. You know, I think he'd he'd be ready for that kind of step up there, Devin Haney. But a great fighter he is. And another another win for him. He takes this guy's O, and he's still 21-0, or he's now 21-0. Still, still with the undefeated record intact. Uh, that was it for Friday night. Um, moving out now to Saturday night. This one was on the 12th of Jan in the Estadio Polideportivo in Mar del Plata, Buenos Aires, Argentina. Um, usually I'd try and tackle that with my my uh, my fake Spanish accent, but seemed a little bit long that venue there, so I didn't fancy doing that one. But there is big news here. Um, we saw Fabian Maidana, the brother of Marcos Maidana, a man that's rumoured to have this comeback. We're not quite sure whether it's going to happen or not. But anyway, he may want to rethink things because he had a little bit of a wake-up call here, um, just how difficult boxing can be. Fabian Maidana lost his undefeated streak here. He was 16-0, and but he lost against Haida Para who now has a record of 33-2 and with one draw. His two losses, by the way, were both by knockout, both to world champions. So it was a big step up for Maidana. And I did say that last week, but he didn't come through the test. Like I say, unanimously over 10 rounds there. And Maidana loses his O, and I'm guessing his world rankings with that as well. And now moving on to Sunday the 13th. One fight to mention, Ayaz, at the Morrison's Pub in Budapest, Hungary. And you're going to think I'm joking, but believe it or not, Prince Patel is now a world champion. Um, Hold on to your hats. It's not 
an IBF, a WBO, a WBA, or a WBC strap. It's the WBF. He's the WBF World Bantamweight Champion. The belt was vacant, and he's also the champion of the Universal Boxing Organization World Bantamweight belt as well. So yeah, that's that's two belts for him. He's the UBO World Champion and the WBF World Champion. Both belts were vacant. He went into the belt with a record of 17-0 and with one draw. He took on Ronald Ramos, who's now 42 years of age. His record, 41 wins, 17 losses, and 4 draws. Um, it was a big step up, really, for Prince Patel when you look at the people that he's been in with. I mean, let's be fair, it was a big step up for him compared to the other guys. This guy's got 41 damn wins. Well, anyway, um, Prince Patel knocked him out in the fourth round, and there's there's more. This, this gets even weirder. Um, Prince Patel becomes the second quickest man to ever stop this guy. Like I said, he's been you know he's been on the on the losing end of a fight 17 times but he's been stopped a handful of times but Prince Patel did it the second quickest in the fourth round I think someone got him out in the third round but this guy is a former world title challenger and even in that world title challenge he didn't get stopped as quick as Prince Patel did it so that kind of says something also I will mention that on this entire fight card with Prince Patel here there was 28 fights on the bill and every single fight ended with a stoppage every single fight ended in a stoppage there were 28 fights 27 knockouts and one where it ended up being a no contest because both boxers (laughs) both boxers got disqualified, okay, so no fight out of all the 28, no fight went the distance, absolutely bizarre, we love it down at the Morrison's Pub in Budapest, I do recommend that one for any people that like to do a bit of a pub crawl, Um, going out now though to the Microsoft Theatre in Los Angeles, California, USA, this one was was shown on ITV4 actually, the first card that Al Heyman's put on on UK television since this deal has been announced. We saw Guillermo Rigondo return to the ring for the first time since his loss to Lomachenko. He picked up win number 18. He's got one loss, of course, which we mentioned there. He took on Giovanni Delgado, 16 and 8, now 16 and 9. It ended up being a knockout in the very first round for Rigondo. Um, It came at about 2 minutes 59 or something. It was almost as the bell went. It was just before the bell went, so he got a knockout um, in in the... few remaining seconds of that first round. Rigondo didn't really get to see too much from him, unfortunately, so it's it's hard to see what he's got left or whatever. Um, I think he's still got a lot to offer, so I do want to see him a bit more active. Um, we also saw Brandon Figueroa, 17-0. and 0. He took on Moises Flores, who, like I said on last week's show, Moises Flores is the guy that fought Rigondo, and then, you know, he got, he got hit on the bell or just slightly after the bell and he laid down and he stayed down and it ended up being a no contest well anyway his one other loss came to Daniel Roman on points so you know you gotta say this guy's a pretty decent fighter you know he's been in there with Rogondo he's been in there with Danny Roman and he took on Brandon Figueroa a man that's still learning on the job so to speak the younger brother of Omar Figueroa an undefeated world champion in his own right and and Brandon's only 22 years of age he's 17 and 0 going into this fight here and he's got such an aggressive style I mean he really really went for Moises Flores as soon as the first bell rang and I couldn't believe what I was seeing he's very aggressive very very fan friendly and he got him out of there in three rounds so that is a huge statement he's done it a lot better than Danny Roman did so that's a bit of a statement there for Figueroa I want to see him pushed on but not too quickly because like I say still a baby um and yeah, that's about it for the undercard there. But moving up to the main event here, Jose Uzcategui 
28 and 2 took on Caleb Plant 17 and 0. It was for Uzkategi's IBF World Super Middleweight title. It was to be his first defense of the belt. Finally, I think he had a non-title bout in the meantime, but this one was his first defense, and it was an unsuccessful defense. He saw himself on the deck in round two and round four, and he ended up losing a unanimous decision over 12 rounds. Now the fight itself. In the very first round, it was a confident start from Caleb Plant. I think that was also a round where Uzkategi missed badly at the at the end of the round, and um, you know Caleb Plant did like a Billy Joe Saunders esque kind of glance at the miss, and Uzkategi was constantly on the front foot in that first round. But the better work certainly came from Caleb Plant. I gave him that round. The second round, like I say, Caleb Plant got the knockdown. It was a good round for him as well. He was starting to push Uzkategi back, and then in the third round, it was a closer round. I actually gave that one to Uzkategi despite the commentary team um, giving all three of those first three rounds to plant. In the fourth round, I mean, it was it was early on in the round where Caleb actually got cut himself, and he seemed to be in some real trouble. And then as the pair were trading shots, which in my opinion wasn't smart for plant, the pair exchanged left hooks, and plant put Uzkategi down once again, so that was the second knockdown, like I say. And I was shocked at that point by the performance thus far of plant. Um, in the fifth round, I gave that one to plant also. Uzkategi was just chasing plant around the ring. Plant really did have to work hard to win the round, but I thought he did enough. In the sixth round, it was a quick start by Uzkategi. I often worried for Plant when the pair would exchange, but I will admit to being a little bit guilty of believing in Uzkategi's power before the fight, and I guess not really believing in Plant's power. Hence the two knockdowns taking me by surprise a little bit. It was a close round in that sixth round, and Plant seemed to be getting a little bit tired already in that sixth round, but if I had to edge it to anyone, I again gave that round to Uzkategi. In the seventh round, it was another close round. It could have gone either way, but I actually edged it to Plant. In the eighth round, it was a bit of a messy round at times, but definitely Plant won that round. The ninth round, a very interesting round. Good inside work by Plant, and he was winning the round, but he took a big shot himself that seemed to wobble him, and his body language was awful, despite dancing around and trying to prove that he was fine. I actually felt Plant won the round, but funny enough, the commentators gave that round to Uzkategi, um, and that was the first round that they gave him in the whole fight, this ninth round, so I felt that their scoring was really bad. They were being quite lenient towards Plant. In the tenth round, it was a very bad round, actually, for Caleb Plant. He took a big right hand, but he did take it well. Um, to his credit, Uzkategi looked very fresh as well, still in that 10th round. I mean, he had no sweat on him. Um, Plant did finish the round pretty well. Um, in the 11th round, it was another close round. Lots of pitter-patter shots. Both men were leaning on each other and just tapping each other, really. But Plant's elusiveness was pretty good, and his little shots were eye-catching and more frequent than Uzkategi's. So I gave him that round also. Um and then the the 12th and final round, I mean, it was a poor round, really. The crowd were booing. Plant just tried to hold and run. He didn't really do anything. I don't think he threw more than three shots the whole round. And it was very easy to score that round. It was obviously a Uzkategi round. He was chasing him, trying to force the fight. So after everything, I, I believe I had it to Plant by five rounds in the end. Uh, so a lot closer than the commentary team had it. But that was really it from last week. Like I said, it wasn't too much to go over. Just before we wrap up part one, though, there is one last thing to do. You know what it is if you've been listening for more than two weeks where we've only had one guest on. It is time to welcome our very first guest. 
Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former IBF featherweight world champion. It is, of course, Mr. Lee Selby. Lee, first things first, happy new year to you. How are things? Thank you very much. Things, things are good with me. I'm just out in Los Angeles uh, preparing for my next fight. Out your spirit, traveling around the gyms. And all was good. Okay, so you're traveling around the gyms. Can you can you say any names that you're sparring with? Um, well, out here in the gyms, they're, they're always um, top top class fighters. You, even if they're not big names, that they they're good fighters, teak tough, and they they keep coming and get, give you good work. We 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 got in. Um, we had, we had a bit of trouble with it with the flights. The flight got delayed, and and then they rebooked us on another, another flight, which stopped in Chicago, and customs kept us back. And we missed the next flight then to Los Angeles, which has been a bit of a nightmare nightmare start. But um, we're here now. We, we sparred at the Maywood Boxing Gym yesterday. We just did a, a couple of rounds, shake off the, the jet lag and, and whatnot. And now this morning we're going to we'll travel to the Wildcat Freddy Roaches Gym and, and get some work in there. Excellent, excellent. So we haven't actually spoke since November 2017, which is mad, really. Um, long obviously, time. Yeah, long, long time. Obviously, a win back then. Um, I think it was just, just before the Ramirez win, and then obviously came the Warrington fight. Now, yeah. Lee, I wanted you to win that fight so badly. I abandoned yeah. my... I must <laughs> I sit on the, Yeah, I mean, I abandoned my position, as, as most media people like to sit on the fence. I didn't do that. Try. I completely, completely wanted you to win. Um, <laughs> yeah. And and I was expecting you to win, um, like yeah. many people were. It didn't go to plan. In a nutshell, Lee, no. what seemed to go wrong for you? And did you underestimate Josh, like many people did? Um, no, I didn't underestimate him. But uh, I, I I just blame myself really. You know, I I didn't perform. I well the the last well looking back since since I won the title, most of my defenses have been like lackluster performances for for myself. I I won, you know, comfortable, but um, the 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 snap and and there was a, there was a lot missing and, and it was the same it was just it was the, the decrease in in my performances were, were only like gradual that's why not too many people noticed but I I felt it in myself and then just like getting to that fight it was just uh, another another drop down you know like like too many too many trips to the well keep going there there's there's nothing there in the end and, and that's what happened I believe. Well, that's very honest of you to say. Um, I remember the, you know, the the Barros win. I think you looked brilliant yeah. that night. By the way, especially with what happened a couple of days before that. Yeah, I I looked good, but still there was times where, like, I should have stepped on the gas and, sh- and should have stopped him. But in, instead of that, that 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 snap just haven't been there in the last few fights. You know, we're staying in trainers, staying in sparring. If, if I heard someone inspiring, like I, I tried to finish him, but like in the fights, I'm, I'm not. Like punching with like bad intentions, like I used to when I was more comfortable with it. I'm just like sort of hitting them, just just uh, just with enough like authority to keep them off, and just just outboxing them, out out out, out moving them, out smiting. Whereas before, I'd, I'd be hitting them, trying to trying to hurt them. And that, that, that's been missing for the last few fights. And of course, Warrington's gone on to beat Carl Frampton, another fight yeah. which he was expected to lose by most people. Do you rate Josh now, um, Lee, as one of perhaps the best we've got in Britain? He had a fantastic 2018. Well, you can't not really by by his achievements, but like he, he did. It, it sounds like I'm being um, what was the word? I, I don't know the word in it, but I I just believe um, he'd be like the worst Lee Selby. And like the worst Lee Sabi and the best Josh Warrington made for like like a fight of the year contender. Okay. So, so like I, I was nowhere near my best. And um, Frampton, I, I 
I expected that fight to go that way anyway, just the styles. And I, I think he's just slight, slightly past if I'm to past his best. He's had a few hard fights and they do take a lot out of you. And you yourself have decided to move up two weight classes here, Lee, an extra yeah. nine pounds you'll be able to pack on, or perhaps yeah. I should say not lose. That's probably the best way of wording yeah, it. It's, um, yeah, it's not lose. It's definitely not pack on. It's, it's, it's still be a, it's still be a task to make. Yeah. To make um, a lightweight live with. And and how come yeah. you've decided to move up two and not just one? Was there ever like a you know a chance or a plan perhaps to just have one fight at Super Feather to see how you felt? Um, not really. I've I've, I've had a um a non-title fight when I was champion at, at about nine some three, and it didn't really make make a difference. Was that you know, in Chicago? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I think he's fighting like Oscar Valdez next. Crazy. But um. In 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 the gym, the the power, the speed, and the fitness is always there. Um, but I'm um, just just dropping down to that weight. It, as soon as I get into that ten stone market, it just takes everything out of me. And like fight week, I start the week heavier than like like lightweight the lightweight limit. So you can imagine the weight I'm losing just that last week. Yeah, yeah. And do you yourself feel like you're punching harder up at this weight, Lee? I'm, I'm I'm I've always been always been the same in the in the gym. Obviously, I'm I'm a lot heavier and I, I punch hard. I punch with a lot more authority than I do a featherweight, and and the fitness is like seconds, and I'm always fit. It's just then get get making that weight getting down to the fights. That, that's where I lose it. It's not like I've gained strength now. The strength has always been there. I've just lost it make, making that weight to the fights. I see, I see, I see. Okay, so so you'll be taking on Omar Douglas on the Degel yeah. versus Eubank Junior undercard on February twenty third. What do you know yeah. about Omar Lee? I've watched a little bit of him. He looks, he looks like he can punch. He, he looks well scored, good boxer. He, he's very tough, and he's only lost to two to two good fighters, in Edna Sherry and um, Javier Fortuna. Javier Fortuna, who Javier Fortuna I think was a world champion, and um, Edna Sherry claims he was like an uncrowned world champion. He had some close close fights with champions, so like they they they're not two like losses to be ashamed of. And they were pretty close fights, so it'll, it'll be a proper fight, and, and that's what I wanted. And what should fans expect to see from you come um, February twenty third? Obviously, you know, a, a new version of Lee Selby, a stronger and, of course, less dehydrated version. Maybe not not so much as a, as a, a new Lee Selby. Maybe maybe if we look back, like the old Lee Selby, where where I had a run of um, and it was like domestic level titles, British Commonwealth, European. I had a run of stoppages, knockouts. And maybe we'll see see that Lee Selby, the old Lee Selby, rather than the the one of late, maybe like a few years back to, to like two thousand from two thousand eleven, two thousand twelve, thirteen. But Lee, what would you say? Because you've 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 been pretty honest saying that you know you seemed like you were kind of declining towards the end, trying to make that weight, trying to make one twenty six yeah. repeatedly. What would you say was? Your best performance because I even thought that the Gradovich performance was brilliant from you. Yeah, that 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 was I'd say that was my last round of bloody favorite. That was okay, okay, yeah. And Lee, who are you looking back? because because I I, sh- I should have moved up after then really, but you know after after working so hard to to like gain a gain a world title, it's it's difficult decision to make to to, to vacate one. Especially when there was always like big big fights looming at, at February, big money fights at the Phantom fight and all this. So that that was enough for me to sacrifice make, making the weight. And Lee, obviously, um, you know, the the last time we saw you, you kind of did some sort of fight by fight deal with Frank Warren, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Promotionally, yeah. who are you with now? 
I, I'm just with with our Heyman. You know, he's just done this um, the big deal with ITV. Yeah. And like the Sunny guys have, have managed me from day one. They're going to continue to manage me to, to the end of my career. So I, I I could see the rest of my career out with um, ITV on Fox and Sports. Okay, excellent. And I always like to ask you how your brother Andrew's getting on. We spoke to him not too long ago. I believe at the yeah. time he was hoping to be fighting in December. Of course, that didn't end up happening. How is he? Um, he is due to fight in a, in a final eliminator for the WBC flyweight title. And of course, Charlie Edwards just, just won the title. Yeah. But Andrew, he, he beat the previous champion who Edwards took the title off and he beat Edwards as, a, as, as an amateur. So, so it'd make for a great fight. And, I, and I'm, I'm sure the WBC, either the WBC or, or the other, the, the opponent was supposed to give a date, um, either yesterday or, or today. I'm not sure with the time difference, but um, the, the date should be any any time now. And I, I believe we'll be in, in Mexico. Okay, okay. Well, good good stuff there for for yeah. Andrew. Um, Lee, what what really is your plan through through 2019? I mean, are you looking at all British kind of fights like Ricky Burns or Anthony Crawler now at lightweight, or are you just looking at um, fighting the world title holders? Our our um, local fans, UK fans, they they love a British dom- domestic fight. And uh, I, I, to be honest, I'm, I'm game to fight anybody anywhere. You know, I, I don't really plan out my career. I just keep myself fit and do do my job as a fighter. And I, I fight anybody who's put in front of me. No one on the hit list right now. Um, I don't know what my managers have got in plan, but I, I like I said, I just keeps myself in shape, and I, I'm just ready, to, ready and willing to fight anyone. That's that's a good thing about me. I, I will fight anybody in a boxing match. Like I wouldn't pull out, of, I wouldn't back out of any any fight at all. And I, I believe most fighters are like that, especially us Welsh fighters. Yeah, you, you, I was going to say your brother, a hundred percent. I mean, I know that for for, for sure. Um, coming down really to the last last question, um, Lee, if 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 Josh Warrington should take on the likes of Kid Galahad or the likes of Oscar Valdez, we're hearing, yeah. how would you see him faring in both of those fights? There, you got a funny little star, like. Both, both you named above, and um, Carframpton and I, we're, we're all like, like much better score, well, class, um, like better class fighters. But um, like with it, with his little style, like rushing in and throwing the fast punches, it, it, it's effective. And um, you know, I've sparred with Galahad, I've sparred with Valdez. Valdez punches very hard, and of course, he's he's like a better class fighter than. Than um, Warrington, but you, you never know with that style. He could rush him, and, and Warrington got a good chin. And um, Kid got ahead of Spider. He's a class fighter as well. He like he's good at like dictating the pace. He got great timing. So it's it's difficult to to, to um to tell. And like leading up to the fight, you don't know what's going on in the training camps. And just even on the day, you you wake up like some days in the gym. I'm un, I'm untouchable sparring, and I'll, I'll go to the gym whatever day. I, I get caught all the time, so it it really depends on the luck. Yeah, I think I'd like to see Warrington either take on the likes of Quig or Valdez. I think both fights there would be very, very pleasing yeah. on the eye. Yeah. Um, and Lee, just before we let you go, anything that you want to say at all to our listeners? Literally, just before we let you go, just um, just keep following me, and I'm, I'm trying my best to to bring an, another world title belt belt back to back to the UK. And just like, thanks for the support; it's been it's been great. And Lee, your your Twitter handle still Lee Selby one two six. Are you going to change that? <laughs> I, I I'm I'm scared if I change, I lose my old blue tick. So you will. I just keep it as the one twenty six. 
<laughs> so people don't try and search for Lee Selby um, one three five because you won't find him there. But listen, one two six. One two six. But listen, Lee, it's always a pleasure speaking with you, my friend. You know that. Thank Best you very of much. luck. Nice Best one. of luck for the twenty third of Feb, and we'll catch up sometime after. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the news part of the show. Ayaz, do your magic. Right. Um, so the news is that uh, Charles Frankham has signed with Matram Boxing. Yeah, he was there um, on Monday at the press conference to announce that he'd signed with Eddie Hearn. He's making his debut on that February 2nd card, which is shaping up to be a real, real interesting um, bill, to be honest. So I'm very much looking forward to that. Lawrence Okoli still without an opponent, but he'll be on that bill as well. And like I say, we finally get to see Craig Richards and Jake Ball. But a great signing, Charles Frankham. Um, a very good amateur. He's been... You know, hanging around at all the gyms, he's gone everywhere for sparring, and um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in his pro career. So, a very exciting, exciting journey, I'm sure that will be. And that's it for the news. Thank you very much. I as right, getting on to the preview part of the show now. We're going to start at the MSG Madison Square Garden Theatre, though, in New York, USA. Let's start here with the undercard. Friend of the show, Chris Algieri, 22-3. and three. He's in a 10-round contest against Daniel Gonzalez, who's 17-1 and one with one draw. Not to be confused by Daniel Gonzalez, the serial killer. Um, but yeah, Daniel Gonzalez, his one loss came to Danny. O'Connor, it was a third round TKO he lost to him um, at the back end of 2017, since then he's put together three wins and like I say, he takes on Chris Algieri who's been extremely, extremely inactive, but it's the return of Chris Algieri, he looked good in his return bout and I'm sure he'll look good again here, he looks in fantastic shape by the way and like I say, it was a great interview that we had with him on the Christmas special uh, moving up the bill, we've got Amanda Serrano, 35 and 1 with one draw, she fights for the vacant WBO World Female Super Flyweight title. I believe if she wins this, I think she becomes a five or six weight world champion. So, you know, that, that is quite groundbreaking. There's not many men that's managed to do that. So uh, this is this is mega for boxing, not just women's boxing. This is unbelievable. What an athlete she is, Amanda Serrano, by the way. Never had a boyfriend in her whole life. Never gone partying. Never done any alcohol. Never done any drugs. And as, doesn't even own a phone. Has never even owned a phone. She lives the life. She takes on, by the way, Eva Voraberger, who has a record of 24 and 5. That's 10 two-minute rounds there. Uh, we also have Big Baby Miller. It's still unclear if he's going to be fighting on the bill or not. I mean, it says he is, but who really knows? We're hearing lots and lots of rumors about Joshua and him getting it on. Anyway, his record 23 and 0 with one draw. It's a 12-round contest. Should it go ahead? Also on the bill, Matram's new signing TJ Doheny. His record 20 and 0. He puts his IBF World Super Bantamweight title on the line again. This is his first defense, and he takes on Ryohi Takahashi, another Japanese fighter. Um, you know that's 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 the problem with those lower weights. Unfortunately, there's lots and lots of Japanese and Asian fighters there, so not not many big names that you're going to see him in with. But like I say, I really do want to see him take on the likes of Gavin McDonnell. I think that'd be a fantastic fight. Also on the bill, we have. Jorge Linares, 45 and 4. It's his 50th contest. He takes on Pablo Cesar Carno, who's 31 and 7 with one draw. I don't really see Carno, you know, causing any trouble to Linares. Carno, I think, 
I don't know, he's he's not great, he's not great, he's, I still, I forget, he's only 29 years of age, but, you know, he's not a fantastic fighter by any means, I mean, his best years was probably seven or eight years ago, really, when he when he fought Paulie Malinagi and Shane Mosley back-to-back, and he lost both fights, but then went on in the very next fight to take on Ashley Fiafane and beat him on a split decision, but, um, yeah, topping the bill, Demetrius Andre Diaz, 26-0, puts his WBO world middleweight title on the line once again, it's his first defense as well, it's a double world title show, or three world titles, I should say, if you include Amanda Serrano's female, um, world title bout, which we certainly should include. Um, he takes on Artur Akovov as a man that Billy Joe Saunders fought and looked absolutely awful against. And again, that night, I remember a lot of people thought Akovov did enough to win there. Um, you know, it's not a guy that you can overlook quite clearly because we've seen Billy Joe make that mistake. Will Andrade have any problems with him? I believe Andrade's a good fighter and I think Andrade's going to knock him out. I think Andrade, as stars is going to box him and I think he come later on, he's going to stop him. Okay, interesting prediction. Um, we are going to the prediction league on that. So you've said a stoppage there for Andrade, and the listeners um, have also gone with a stoppage win for Andrade. Um, not many people giving Akavov a chance, to be completely honest. I mean, remember, his record's 19-2. and two. He's not a big puncher. He's only got eight knockouts. Um, his two losses, like I say, Billy Joe Saunders, a very, very close fight, and the other loss came really early on in his career. Um, you know, I think it goes points. I really do. I really do. Um, you know, you've got to look at Andrade. You've got to say, when you look at his last four fights, all four of them have gone to the 12th round. Yeah, he did score a knockout in one of them um, where he got the knockout in that final round. But aside from that, you know, he's, he's, he's had three fights. His last three fights have all gone 12. So I don't really see him stopping Akavov, a man that hasn't yet been stopped. Um, that's it really for that one there. Also, at the Turning Stone Resort and Casino in New York, USA, this one's on ESPN Plata, top-ranked show. We have Bryant Jennings, 24-2. and He tops the bill against Oscar Rivas, the undefeated Colombian by way of Canada, the former Olympian. Very good amateur, by the way, Rivas, but he hasn't yet really excited many in the pro ranks. It's for the IBF International Heavyweight title and the WBO NABO Heavyweight title, a 12-round contest. Um, Oscar Rivas actually, I believe, fought about three or four weeks ago, so it's kind of weird how he had that fight and then he has this fight, but he had them both signed at the same time. I thought he'd need a bit more time to prepare for Bryant Jennings, but perhaps not. We'll have to wait and see. It's a tough, tough fight, that one, by the way, for Jennings. It's a bit of a low-risk kind of uh, you know, high risk, low reward kind of fight that strikes me as. Also on the undercard, friend of the show Shakur Stevenson gets his chance to move to double figure wins. Can he move to ten and oh? It's a ten round contest, by the way. His opponent yet to be announced. And now the final bill to mention at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas, Nevada, USA. Um, this one's going to be shown, by the way, on Showtime. And also, remember, ITV4 Saturday night. What a fantastic card. Uh, we've got an interim WBA World Featherweight title bout between Jack Tapora, 22-0, and Hugo Ruiz, 38-4. Uh, moving up the card, we've got Badu Jack, friend of the show, 22-1 with three draws. He fights for the vacant WBC Silver Light Heavyweight title against the undefeated, again, very good amateur, Marcus Brown, 22-0. Marcus Brown's a good fighter, by the way. Um, that's a 12-round contest there. Um, we've gone to the Prediction League on that one, Ayaz. I mean, obviously... Obviously, Marcus Brown's got a few good wins now. Like I say, 22-0. He's got as many wins as Badu Jack, but of course he hasn't fought the opposition that Badu Jack has fought. And for that reason, I have to favour Badu Jack. 
Um, are we seeing a stoppage here, or are you seeing a stoppage here, or do you see Jack winning on points, or do you see an upset perhaps? Um, I think Badu Jack's uh, a league above him. So I, I mean, Badu Jack's obviously we've seen him for uh, to better oppositions. And I mean, uh, to be fair, like Badu Jack is he's a well improved fighter. So if I'm gonna go with him, I'm gonna go for a Badu Jack by knockout. Badu Jack by knockout. Okay, I'm gonna go with. Oh, I'm going to go with Badu Jack on points, I think. I'm, I'm playing it safe or trying to play it safe. But the listeners have gone with Jack by knockout. Um, and interestingly, in second place, they've gone with Marcus Brown to win on points. So that would be interesting. We do know that Badu Jack doesn't always get lucky when it comes to the decisions. We've seen many, many questionable draws. Um... Moving up the bill once again, 16-2, and two, Roche Warren. Uh, he fights for the vacant WBC World Bantamweight title against Nordin Ubali, who's actually 14-0. and oh, That's a great, great fight there down at Bantamweight. Um, Roche Warren, another guy that I feel kind of, you know, he lost, he lost one or two fights and then kind of disappeared. We almost forgot about him. He's obviously a good, close friend of Adrian Broner, the man that's in the main event fight. But, um, yeah, you know, you look at his resume, he lost a split decision to Payano, and then his other loss came a split decision to Zanat Zakhainov, another man that's kind of just disappeared off the face of the earth. I forgot about him. I remember uh, Ricky Hatton was with him, wasn't he? So, uh, yeah, that's whatever happened to ZZ? Um, but, yeah, anyway, Nordin Ubali is a decent fighter. Like I say, 11 knockouts from his full team wins. Um, he's a former Olympian. He represented France. In 2008, he actually lost... Um, to Zhu Chiming, and then again he was in the 2012 Olympics, and that time he lost out to Michael Conlon. And interestingly, he beat Roche Warren on his way to take on Michael Conlon in the quarterfinal. So that's a little stat there. He beat Roche Warren just, he just about beat him, and now they have the rematch in the pros. So there's some history there that makes it a little bit, a little bit more flavoursome. And the top of the bill now, Manny Pacquiao, 60 wins, seven losses, and two draws. It is his 70th pro fight. He takes on Adrian the Problem Broner for the WBA World Welterweight title. Broner, 33 and 3 with one draw, Iaz. Let's be honest, Iaz, you never really know what version of Adrian Broner is going to turn up. He seemed pretty unmotivated when he took on the likes of. Uh, you know, the likes of Jesse Vargas, for me, wasn't that impressive there. Against Mikey Garcia, to be fair, he did come on strong late on. But, um,. You know, he's 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 kind of he's kind of got himself to blame if we're being completely honest. You know, he he, he seems like he's not really um, dedicating his life to the sport of boxing like many many boxers need to do. You know, he's got past many many tests in his career. You know, and he, he is a very good fighter. He's a, he's a he's a quality fighter, Adrian Broner. There's no getting away from that. But you know, he hasn't won a fight since. Well, actually, since almost two years um, come fight night. His last win was against Adrian Granados. It was a split decision over 10 rounds. Again, another weird um, decision that that really could have gone either way that night. I remember Granados felt very hard done by. You know, the last proper, proper, proper good-looking win was against Ashley Fearfane, and that was almost three years ago. Um, 
you know, his last two fights, a loss to Mikey Garcia, and then a majority draw, like I say, with Jesse Vargas. Manny Pacquiao, as a man that, you know, he went so long without getting a knockout, and then he finally scored it in his last fight um, against Lucas Matisse, who straight away after the fight retired. And he looked great in that fight, Manny Pacquiao. But we do have to remember his, you know, his best days are behind him. He got Matisse at the very end of his career, and he did look good. He really did. But, um... Yeah, it's, it's it's a bit of a strange one. And for that reason, just because he looked good in his last fight and Broner didn't look so good in his last fight, I don't think you can read into it too much because Matisse was finished and Jesse Vargas has actually turned into quite a solid fighter. How do you see this fight playing out? If I'm going to go with a win, I'm, I'm going to go with um, a Manny Pacquiao win. Now, the problem with Adrian Broner, he's, he's a very, very talented fighter, but he just like he does things that he shouldn't do outside the ring, which is affecting him in the actual boxing ring. And obviously, we see Manny Pacquiao. He's a this guy is a legend in boxing, and I can say that for a fact. And he's going to go down as a Hall of Famer in boxing as well. Obviously, we see sports so many great fighters. Um, obviously, he's fighting. He's a um, he's he's a world champion after beating knocking out Lucas Matisse. If I'm going to go with a win, I'm going to go with Pacquiao on points. And I think Pacquiao is going to box him. I personally think Broner's not. I I don't pers- I think Broner's not right in there. Like he's his desire doesn't. Um, it's like he doesn't have that desire to box anymore, and it's like he doesn't have the desire and the heart to box. A person like Adrian Broner should be winning these fights. It's like he doesn't he doesn't care about the sport anymore. He thinks like, I think boys, I think it's coming. He's coming towards the end of his career as well. So I think if I'm going to go with a win, I'm going to go with Pacquiao on points. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with you there, Ayaz. I think Pacquiao on points. I think that. Things could get interesting. I, I, I see it as a little bit of a 50-50 fight. I think Pacquiao's passed it, like I said, and I think we can't get too excited on that win over Matisse because it was clear that Matisse didn't have anything left, and that's why he retired straight after the fight. Pacquiao, he needs to take this really, really seriously. Um, he needs to stay fit for all of those rounds, even late on. Broner does look in real good shape. I mean, that doesn't really mean everything, but he does look in good shape. And he, of course, needs to take it serious because, for me, it's a bit of a last-chance saloon with him. The listeners have gone with a Pacquiao knockout. I mean, I just can't see that happening. The only time that Broner's ever looked really in trouble was against Maidana, and, of course, he managed to not get knocked out. And he actually came back himself late on um, you know, and had some great success late on in that fight. So... Um, yeah, I don't see Pacquiao knocking him out. I don't think Pacquiao's got that snap in his shots that he used to have. And I don't really think Broner's shot. You know, I think Broner, even if he does get hit, will, you know, will show toughness. And we've seen that before. Like I say, I think he's got a real good chin. Um, but yeah, brilliant fight. I'd love Pacquiao to, to win. But like I say, it is, it is for me a bit of a 50-50. I know people get a bit carried away with their hate for Broner. And for that reason, they, they just completely account Broner out and say, nah, nah, it's an easy win for Pacquiao. That's wishful thinking. And believe me, I want Pacquiao to win. I love Pacquiao. But I think it's a closer fight than a lot of people give it credit for being. Um, but like I say, I do go with Pacquiao on points. I'll be stunned if Pacquiao knocks him out. I'll be absolutely stunned. And if he did knock him out, by the way, we need to start considering Pacquiao as one of the best fighters at 147 because everyone's talking about Crawford and talking about Spence. And, you know, you've got to really. If he, if he was able to knock out Broner, then you've got to really start mentioning Manny Pacquiao's name in that sentence also. I believe Pacquiao probably wins on points should he not run out of steam, which we haven't really seen him do. Um, but yeah, it will be interesting. It, I think it even will be quite cagey for the first few rounds. 
Um, but yeah, great, great fight, and it's fantastic that it's on free-to-air TV over here, so I'd like to thank Al Heyman for doing that. But that's really it for the preview part of the show. We brought you the news, we brought you part one. Just before we wrap up part two, the last thing to do is to welcome our second and final guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the WBO middleweight world champion, the tall, black, and handsome Mr. Demetrius Andre. Demetrius, welcome back on the show again. Yo, 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 yo. Glad to be back. It's brilliant to have you. Thanks for having me again. It's always my pleasure, Demetrius. So we last spoke uh, back in September. Now, at that time, um, of course, you were getting ready to fight Billy Joe Saunders. Now, that was the fight that didn't end up happening. And there was one thing that you said towards the end of that interview, which which has kind of stuck with me. You, You were kind of going in a little bit on Canelo, saying it was unfair that he got so much attention and publicity when clean fighters like yourself and Billy Joe didn't get the credit. And that kind of stuck with me. It was so bizarre that a few weeks later we obviously found out that Billy Joe under a certain organisation had failed a test Um, yeah interesting I thought I'd bring that one up but you did end up still fighting thankfully you took on Walter Calton Dokwa an undefeated fighter going into the fight and you basically played with him in there you spent your whole camp preparing for a 5'11 southpaw and ended up fighting a 6'2 unbeaten unknown quantity orthodox South African you made light work of him Demetrius dropping him multiple times along the way to a very wide unanimous decision victory please talk us through it I mean, it pretty much sounds like you know it all, man. <laughs> you pretty much said everything I can say. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> you know, Billy Joe did what he did and, and was wrong. And it's not the uh, proper way um, to do anything in life is cheap. You know, I put, I put my best foot forward all the time. And, you know, I, I, I get in the ring and give my best chance the clean way. And so um, after that, Walter was, you know, the next guy in line. He he was willing and able to, you know, get in the ring and fight me for the vacant WB, WBO championship title of the world. I mean, the show must go on. So I did what I had to do and, you know, came out victorious. <clears throat> and here we are at your first defense. It's going to be this Friday. You take on Artur Akovov at the Madison Square Garden Arena. What do you know about Artur Demetrius? Um, you know, we know he's a real guy. He fought Billy Joe Saunders and gave him a hard time. Very hard um, time, yeah. And a lot of people, a lot of people thought he won, he won the fight actually, Arthur. So you know, we're not looking to you know <clears throat> fight tomato cans or people that's just going to come in and lay down because that's not what I want to get ready for. I want to make sure that you know whoever's in the top ten, fifteen, you know, <clears throat> is is um is people that I'm that I'm fighting. So no other top guy or another other elite fighters can say there's nobody else out there to fight. Yeah, there isn't anybody else there out there to fight because Demetrius is beating them all. And so now it's time for Demetrius to get in the ring with the likes of Canelo, Triple G, and, you know, even maybe Danny Jacobs is boils down to it. And like you mentioned there, Artur Akovov took on Billy Joe, and you're right, a lot of people, including Brits over here, thought that Akovov perhaps did enough to win that night. So obviously, you know, it goes without saying that you can't really afford to overlook this guy. Um, Have you brought back any of the sparring partners that you had in camp for the Saunders camp for this fight? Because obviously Akovov's also a southpaw. Nah, I didn't. I used um, totally different guys. Okay. Is the Saunders fight still a fight that interests you down the line, Demetrius? I mean, anybody at the 160-pound division can get it. You know, <clears throat> Saunders is unprofessional. You know, he's cheating. He's not coming in 
at the weight class he's supposed to be fighting at. He's uh, he's just doing things that you know is unprofessional, and I can't rely on him to show up or not. I mean, maybe if he gets his stuff on track and he shows that he's worthy enough to you know fight for another title, sure, no problem. But you know, there's definitely bigger fish out there. And since we last spoke, Jamal Charlo has fought, and in many people's eyes, he was pretty lucky to walk out the ring with his title still around his waist. Did you happen to see that fight at all? Yeah, I ended up watching it at, um, like the next day or so. Uh, I think when you sit there and you fight tomato cans and you fight guys that you know are going to lay down, when you get in there with a real guy or a live guy, you, you're going to get those type of results that we've seen. I mean, these guys are not fighting anybody, and when they get in there with somebody that's willing to throw back and take shots and go in there, <clears throat> going into the fight to win, I mean, they might not end up with the W, just like one of them, one of them didn't versus Tony Harris and and <clears throat> and another brother for Corbov, who's probably, I don't know how long he's been out the ring, and you know he is uh, you know a little older than everybody, and he gave him a hard time as well. So that just goes to show the talent skills that they have. They don't seem like much. <laughs> I want to ask your prediction for this fight on Friday, Demetrius. Obviously, Akavov has, has just been dropped just the once in his career, I believe. It was early on in his career. He was a solid amateur, you know, like yourself. Very good amateur background. How do you win? Is it points or do you become the first man to stop this guy? You know, I'm going in there to do what I want to do. I'm, a, You know, I can only give you what you're asking for the night of the fight. Man, you know, I'm going to go in there looking to win, beat him down, and either the ref's going to stop it, I'm going to stop it, or his mom's going to stop it. So, I mean, somebody might throw in the towel on Friday night. We shall have to wait and see. And finally, Demetrius, I don't want to take up too much of your time, like I say. Do you have any 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 closing messages for, for your listeners out here, your fans out here that like to get behind you? What's your message to those guys before we let you go? Um, I just want to, you know, thank everybody that supports boxing, everybody that supports me, and the people that, you know, are finally getting to see what they've been missing, out, missing on. Um, Demetrius Andrade. Stay tuned. There's a lot of skill and talent that comes with me, character, and you know my you know my motto. It's me again. <laughs> just before you was gonna go, I was actually gonna say, please just say it's me again. You you you're the best at saying those. It's me words. again, <laughs> Demetrius. Yeah. I'd like to wish you the absolute best of luck for Friday, my friend. God bless you. Happy New Year. Also, we'll catch up sometime soon. Yeah. Thank you. Take care. Okay, and this concludes episode 170 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. I as Sumra has been I as Sumra. A massive thank you to our two guests on this week's show, the former featherweight world champion Lee Selby, who we caught up with from Los Angeles, and the reigning WBO middleweight world champion Demetrius Andrade, who we caught up with from New York. We had two back-to-back shows last week and the week before, in which we only had one guest on each show, but we're back to two, and we're back to two with a bang two current or former world champions for your ears this week lots and lots of news by the way has broken since we started recording the podcast Matram have announced a show in Liverpool on March the 30th the bill will be topped by the new sign in Liam Smith he takes on Sam Eggington the undercard will also see Robbie Davies Jr. take on Joe Hughes Anthony Fowler take on uh, Scott Fitzgerald and David Price will also be involved uh, Frank Warren has announced a card to take place at the Royal Albert Hall 
Global Boxing will return to the classic venue after a seven-year hiatus. The first ever event that took place in that venue was 1918. It was back in 1918, and 101 years later, boxing is back. Daniel Dubois tops the bill against Razvan Kajanu. Liam Williams takes on Joe Mullander, and Nicola Adams fights Arelli Muccino for Muccino's WBO uh, World Flyweight title. Anthony Yard's next opponent has been confirmed. He will take on Mehdi Amar. Uh, that one is happening on February the 23rd in Leicester. Now, Mehdi Amar actually went the distance with Gavodstik, the man that obviously beat and, and dethroned Adonis Stevenson. Um, yes, yeah, so Amar went the distance with him back in March 2018. So that is a real, real, real step up for Anthony Yard. It's the fight that we've all, well, not necessarily the fight that we've all been waiting for, but it's the step up that we've all been waiting for. Dimitri Bivol has signed a promotional contract with Matram. He will be defending his world title against Joe Smith Jr. in March, but the venue and exact date will be announced tomorrow, and that's about all of the news that I've got for you. Thank you all for listening. The Prediction League is back, so I'm so excited about that. Enjoy your weekends, people. Stay safe, and we shall see you all again next week.